must arm our airmen to outthink, outperform, outpartner, outinnovate any potential adversary. Air Force Basic Military Training has an updated curriculum with a new focus on readiness and lethality. The first command, the Air Force starts here. Hey everyone, welcome in to episode 44 of the Air Force Starts here. Thanks for the subscribe, stream, or download, however you might be listening in. If you have some extra time, we certainly would appreciate some stars or even a review of the podcast. Let us know how we're doing, bringing you timely and relevant info across the recruiting, training, and education world. My name is Dan Hawkins from the AETC Public Affairs Team and your host for this professional development podcast dedicated to bringing total force Big A Airmen, insight, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from the recruiting, training, and education fields. On today's pod, we have a good one. We're going in-depth with Major Kevin Hawkins and First Lieutenant Adam Treese from the 56th Operational Support Squadron at Luke Air Force Base, Arizona, who, along with Dylan Kerr, a student at Arizona State University, have developed a 3D augmented reality system that will revolutionize the way pilots conduct mission debriefs. They're calling it Next Gen Debrief, and they will represent the First Command at Spark Tank 2021, which is coming up in a few weeks during the virtual Air Force Association Aerospace Warfare Symposium down in Orlando, Florida. That's going to be a virtual event. Major Hawkins and Lieutenant Treese both talk about how they adapted uh, Microsoft HoloLens to smart glasses into a tool that air crews can use to conduct detailed mission debriefs from an interactive three-dimensional perspective. It's a really great idea, and they're hoping to really turn this thing into a reality and also win Spark Tank 2021. Modernizing the Air and Space Force is, of course, a priority for our Air Force and aggressively and cost-effectively modernizing education and training to transform the way we learn is one of Lieutenant General Webb's top priorities, and this project certainly fits right into that wheelhouse. And the innovation aspect is also a huge part of our DNA as airmen, as as we value innovation and operationalizing our airmen's best ideas so we can improve operations. And so we're going to spend some time talking to Lieutenant Treese about his experience at last year's Spark Tank, where a project he called Making Waves, which revolved around a low-cost mobile threat emitter system to be used in training for fifth-generation aircraft, was named a co-winner of that competition. I was really interested in hearing what it was like to uh, pitch in front of the Air Force's senior leaders, the top three, if you will, uh, and also getting the opportunity to meet Elon Musk, who is the CEO of SpaceX. So a lot to get to. We'll dive into that innovation ecosystem. So let's get to it. Episode 44 of the Air Force Starts Here kicks off right now. I'm uh, Kevin Hawkins. I grew up in a small town outside of Seattle in Washington State, Bonny Lake. I uh, went to the Air Force Academy, and now I'm an intelligence officer in the Air Force at uh, Luke Air Force Base. I've been uh, a lot of different places doing uh, doing intel. Started at Aviano in Italy, which is where I met my wife. Uh, she's Italian. She's lovely. And uh, been uh, doing a couple of other things, so fighter support support to an air operations center and also in the intelligence uh, distributed ground system operations out there 
Uh, and I've also been an instructor at uh, Goodfellow, which is where Air Force officers do their technical training. Awesome. And Lieutenant Treese, um, young in service, but not in experience. Tell us a little bit about yourself. That's a good way to put that. Uh, so Lieutenant Adam Treese, I've uh, been in the Air Force about 15 years now. Um, I'm originally from Tennessee, and I uh, started my journey as a enlisted airborne Korean linguist in the Air Force. So I spent about 11 years doing that. I was stationed at Herbert Field, and I moved over to Japan and uh, about almost four years ago, uh, commissioned as an intelligence officer, where I'm now at the 56 Fighter Wing at the uh, OSS as an intel officer. And uh, I've, yeah, that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell, so prior enlisted Korean linguist to intel officer, and uh, Luke Air Force Base is my first assignment. Wow, so lots of different experience, and and so that's what kind of makes this podcast and the topic that we're talking about today so unique, uh, because you guys come from both such diverse backgrounds and different areas of expertise, but yet we're talking about a 3D augmented reality system uh, that could revolutionize the way pilots do mission debriefings. So, uh, Major Hawkins, I wanted to start with you. Can you just tell us a little bit about your spark tank submission um, from the 56 fighter wing um, and just tell us what it's all about. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So uh, next gen debrief is, is kind of our idea to take some of the processes that we look at and work with and inside every day, uh, which includes debriefing missions that have flown uh, and also extends to how they get planned and executed. But take the processes that we use for those, which uh, all have some real limitations to them that we've just recognized over the time that we've done them, uh, and merge that with some new technology that we thought really would let us change the game. So uh, take those processes from two-dimensional uh, kind of processes that we would do on a laminated map or on a whiteboard, or even with some conventional computer software on a PC. Uh, but airspace, the flying mission that the Air Force has, happens in three dimensions. Uh, and so that's how our air crew and our planners need to be able to think about it. Uh, and we saw an opportunity to leverage some technology that has come online in the last couple of years to, uh, to bring that process into three dimensions. And... Oh, by the way, what we're also hoping to be able to do with that is to be able to make that process much more uh, effective in a distributed environment. And uh, for the Chief of Staff of the Air Force, General Brown, one of the big things that he has pushed is uh, something called agile combat deployment, uh, which means that basically as an Air Force, we need to be able to operate with greater mobility. So a lot of the processes that we have require a pretty big tech and physical footprint. And this is a way that we also thought maybe we can reduce the size of that and really let mission planning happen between groups that aren't physically co-located uh, in ways that weren't possible or weren't effective before. So that, in a nutshell, is kind of our, our idea. 
the debrief specifically seemed like a good place for us to start. Uh, so we, uh, it's not something that maybe gets a lot of talking outside of the Air Force, but the debrief is huge in the, the training environment that the U.S. Air Force normally executes in, whether that is in AATC or whether you're in Air Combat Command or anywhere else. We're always training for the missions that we want to fight. Uh, and the real learning, there's great learning that happens in the air, but they really, both pilots, air crew, planners, they really learn the lessons that are important to remember and, and get their key takeaways. When they come back, they look at what happened during the mission uh, and they identify the things that they did wrong or the things that they did absolutely right and they need to do again next time. But it's, it's what do we need to improve as we move on to the next time we try that. Uh, that. That is the debrief. That seemed like the first best place for us to start with integrating some of these next, new technologies and, and uh, hopefully changing the way we operate. So I'm curious, uh, and I'll, I'll ask Lieutenant Treese, the, the seed for this project or the idea, you know, where was that? first hatched and how did that come about because you know that's you know that was a great explanation for major hawkins but wow that's that's such a revolutionary awesome way to integrate technology to transform the way we learn but how how did that even that idea even come about thanks dan so i mean look it's a fast-moving world we're being asked to do a lot more with a lot less than we have previously. Uh, technology is changing at a very rapid pace and we need to keep up with that. So this was really born out of you know something that we do every day. Well, I, I won't say every day, but it's something that we do often. Where we're going in and we're training and as a part of the Intel team, working with the pilots, going through these processes, we realize there's a lot of inefficiencies and we're still doing business the way we probably did business 20, 30 years ago. And uh, we thought that there's probably a way we could do that better and become more efficient with our time and actually probably improve the way we're at, we're getting after that particular problem that, that we're looking at or the, the debriefing. I think that we saw that as an opportunity just to improve on the way we're doing business to reflect the nature of of where the future is going. Yeah, and I, I was reading some of the, the prep documents, but I, I found it really interesting. Um, while, while you are using 3D, some of the, the flight characteristics data was already being collected. So you already kind of had a, a, a head start. You just kind of took it to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of this data is available. Um, unfortunately, it's not always being used, and there's probably opportunity for us to incorporate things that we already have and, and put that into the process and, and get some better return on that. And uh, another thing with the data is, you know, once you look at it one time, it kind of goes to the wayside, and no one really is, uh, is goes back to it and, and does anything with it. But with something like this, enabling you to go back and look at it in a really intuitive way, I, I think that we might be able to not only look at this last sort of that we did, but hey, let's go back and look at last week and, and start to build a, a pattern of recognition. Of what we're doing. So, so I'm interested, 
you know, with the proliferation of, you know, tools like AR, VR, you know, especially over the last, you know, three to five years, I mean, it's just exploded, right? So what does that augmented reality piece uh, bring to this project? And that's questions for either one of you. Yeah, so for, for anybody that's not really uh, in on the lingo of that, you've got, uh, you can think of it kind of as a spectrum where you've got uh, the physical world on one side and virtual reality on the other end of the spectrum. In virtual reality, you, you put a visor over your eyes and uh, your, your whole world is transformed into the virtual world. And then you've got all of this space in between where maybe certain things are being worked into the you've got your physical world and then you have virtual elements overlaid over the top of it so kind of far towards the left of that spectrum back towards the physical world you've got augmented reality that could be on your smartphone so that could be anything from like i go into my facetime and i, I put a, a hat on myself that is not real it's a digital hat but it's you know it's the camera sees me and then it adds a, a computerized hat on my head or sunglasses a lot of people use that. You can uh, you can think of Pokemon Go as, as another augmented reality type application. Uh, and then as you move more towards the virtual side, you get these visors uh, where you've got a screen that pops down in front of your eyes, but you can still see the virtual, or you can still see the physical world, but now you get these virtual objects that are there uh, that you can interact with and some of the more advanced new ones which is what we're trying to use will actually even let you interact with those holograms with your hand uh, and you can move around and you can uh, interact with them in very intuitive ways burn it has anything else you wants to add there i think that that summarizes it pretty well uh you're, you're able to interact with your physical environment in a digital way in like no other way we've ever done it before. And you're taking the computer and putting it in the same place. So I, I've, got, I've got to admit, this is maybe only the second time in my work life that I've ever been able to, to accurately get a good Pokemon reference um, and relate it to uh, an Air Force priority. So, you know, good job out of you two. Um, but a, another cool aspect of this is, you know, the ability to bring in pilots from multiple locations and allow them to maybe experience this debrief in a different way. And and with both of you having to uh, give or participate in mission debriefs maybe in different ways throughout your career, how big is that part of it? It's definitely going to be a game changer from the way that we are able to do things right now. Uh, you know, and it, it, in some ways, it really feels like a missing link between how we train and how we plan to fight. Uh, so we're, we're really hopeful for it. Uh, but I don't want to, don't want to sit here and tell you that we've solved all of the challenges that need to be solved in order to make this happen. Uh, we are pointing some, some technology that we think is a really compelling way forward to doing that. Uh, but there are still hurdles that we are working with our team and that we, really need a bigger coalition of folks to help us solve. Uh, we're proving that the technology can can do what we say it can do, but there's also issues that we are working through with, with the relevant professionals about 
how do we keep our data secure? Uh, so a lot of what we do with our aircraft is classified, and we got to be able to get the right technology into those classified environments uh, to enable the way that we want to fight. So we're, we're hoping to shine some light on those issues uh, with with this effort. That's part of why we wanted to bring this to Spark Tank. Uh, it's because we can't do it all ourselves. Uh, it, you couldn't have segued any better this idea the next gen debrief, the submission um, to Spark Tank, obviously being selected um, to represent Air Education and Training Command at the uh, Air Warfare or Air Force Association uh, symposium in February. But obviously, great news for your your project, but practical as well. And you just talked about it. You really need that next level. And that's kind of the idea, right, for Spark Tank. It's to bring an idea. Maybe it's not 100% fleshed out, but you want to get some resources and and take it to that next level. Absolutely. The, the Spark Tank gives you an opportunity to present your ideas, to get the advocacy that, that may be difficult to get otherwise. Or, the analogy they like to use a lot is the frozen middle. And I, I think that applies to the taking an idea and bringing it to fruition as, as well as applying to uh, oftentimes the, the structure of our, our leadership, you know, from the lower level, sometimes it's hard to move things up through the chain. And the spark tank gives you the opportunity, opportunity to take the elevator straight to the top floor, which is really cool. So, LT, I wanted to stay with you because you've got some experience. You were actually on the co-winning team from Luke Air Force Base last year um, for the F-35, the, the low-cost emitter idea. Um, so you, you have a little bit of experience, but um, maybe if you could tell some of your fellow airmen and innovators out there, you know, maybe just a quick thumbnail, you know, what the Spark Tank process really is about how you actually maybe even start that process you know i've got this great idea but i have no idea where to start yes for for me the first thing i would say is don't i never approached this with the idea i want to go to this part that was never a thought of mine the way i approach this is i have a problem i think that we can solve this problem and you start to work on your solution. For me, this this spark tank was just another avenue to get the advocacy and to get that idea propagated. It wasn't the the avenue to to complete it on its own, if that makes sense. That said, if, if you do go into the spark tank and you are given the opportunity to present your idea and to get the leadership advocacy, it's a very tedious and challenging process. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, uh, months of preparation. I think prior to the last competition, we probably spent a good two months refining our pitch. Then we went to Las Vegas and we worked with some pitch coaches and spent three or four days, uh, all day, uh, giving our pitch, refining our pitch, giving our pitch, refining our pitch, taking some more criticism. There's a lot of work that goes into it. This isn't your normal presentation. It's completely different style of presentation. It takes a lot of work to get to get to that point where you're ready to go on stage. But when you're there, it's a lot of fun. It's an awesome opportunity to be in front of your senior leaders, the guest judges, and to uh, 
to really give your idea some light. I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's a fun experience. And we're not just talking about your average run-of-the-mill senior leaders. We're talking about the Air Force Top 3, Chief of Staff of the Air Force, Secretary of the Air Force, Chief Massart of the Air Force. And for you last year, it was Elon Musk from SpaceX. Has to be a little bit nerve-wracking, but awesome opportunity to be able to pitch something to a SpaceX uh, CEO type. Yeah, so unfortunately he didn't sit through the pitches. He was he ended up just being the guest speaker, but we did get to meet him meet him on the back end, and, and that was an awesome opportunity. But we had uh, a guest judge from Microsoft, and we had a another tech author who sat on the panel, uh, Mr. Gene Kim, I think Miss uh, Miss Towns Whitley from Microsoft. Those were our guest judges, and to to have their perspective um, was very unique. It, you know, when you're in the military, you kind of develop a way of thinking that goes along with the military culture. To have an outside perspective, to ask you some different questions, uh, I, I think is important. And it allows you to take a step back and, and look at things from a different viewpoint. So uh, intimidating, for sure, because they're, they're giants in their fields. But also, where else are you going to get to do this? This is great. And for the Air Force to, to allow us to have that opportunity uh, was pretty fantastic. And Major Hawkins, I wanted to switch back over to you, but I, I kind of wanted to talk about the strategic relationships aspect of this, a top priority here in Air Education and Training Command is, uh, you know, developing and those types of relationships in academia and industry and different uh, aspects of society that will help us uh grow and mature as an Air Force, you know, and especially on the technology front, that's even more important than ever. But uh, on the project, you you have a student from Arizona State University. Last year, there was a student also from Arizona State University on the project. But how important are relationships like that? Um, and, and how did you build that relationship? Yeah, so that's, that's where, gosh, we've been so... Uh, fortunate to have the benefit here, Luke, of the experience that uh, that Lieutenant Therese built last year. Uh, they started kind of blindly. Vern, uh, you want to talk for a second about how last year you guys did it and kind of compare that to uh, how we've been able to grow relationships this year? You can sure. speak to better than I can. So last year, we came up with this idea and we realized that very quickly we were going to be exceeding our expertise and we were going to need some outside help. Uh, the idea occurred is we have some pretty unique universities around that might might be able to help. So we started digging around, looking in the engineering department, looking for someone that might be a good fit. And I'm not kidding you. We, we found a professor on the ASU website and uh, we thought, man, this his credentials match really well with what we're trying to do. And his phone number was there. So we cold called him. And uh, I don't know, the stars must have been aligned because he was actually in his office and he answered. And we told him what we were trying to do. Or, you know, from Luke Air Force Base, we're trying to work on this project. We thought he might be able to help. And it was asking if he would be interested in, in talking to us. And, uh, he graciously accepted and invited us down to the university, and from there we, we matured that relationship. 
relationships. They started cold, and man, it is is really paid dividends. Yeah, and and Major Hawkins, in the whole scheme of things, um, you just can't have enough partners, right? Yeah. So we've we have uh, used that. So it started last year with a cold call, but through the process of, of working with AppWorks uh, and refining that idea last year, uh, Lieutenant Treese and, and the rest of his team developed a lot of other partnerships, not not just directly with Arizona State University. Uh, there's, there's actually a whole network of universities that want to help out with innovation and want to be connected to innovation in the Department of Defense. Uh, that's, that's called the National Security Innovation Network. Uh, and so we actually had a point of contact there that Lieutenant Treese had, had known uh, from previous year, and, and that was actually our first call this year was to to the uh, to Ensign they're called uh, to say, hey, we, we have this idea. We think uh, it, it's it's different from last year. It's totally it's not the same thing. But uh, where would you recommend we go? And they pointed us to a different section that we had never even heard of, of Arizona State University, uh, and connected us to a student. And that, that has been absolutely crucial. Uh, it was a good idea before the student came along, but we didn't have a good way to visualize it. Uh, and he was able to come along basically in a weekend and build a, a really compelling visualization that, that if you, you get a chance to see our original pitch video, uh, is in there. Uh, and... and he basically built that in a one or two weekends. Uh, and that's something that would have taken us, if we tried to do it ourselves, months, if we could have done it at all, uh, just to figure out. And then that that has helped us kind of get our pitch off the ground. But but in order to be able to convince the Air Force that this is a, this is a thing with potential, uh, we, we talk about it continuously. But we have had to cast a very, very wide net. We've talked to a lot of different folks. Um, throughout EETC, Air Combat Command, uh, we are just reaching out and talking to people all the time, like, hey, here's what we're trying to do. Do you know anybody? Could you, could, uh, are you interested in helping? And, you know, there's a lot of verbal interest sometimes, and then it doesn't mature necessarily into a lasting relationship. But, uh, but every once in a while, you just have that one thing you really didn't think was going anywhere, and all of a sudden, it ends up making a, a key connection for you. Um, and so we've we've just been trying to make those connections, and uh, and and at a certain point, you start to build up some momentum, and it's it's pretty cool when you gratify when you start to see that happening. I, I will add, you know, that was one of the big takeaways from last year. Is it takes a team, and to build a team and, and to get everyone involved is really what is critical to the success. You can't do this on your own. Excuse me. You can't do this on your own. And uh, from some of those relationships we developed last year, we were able to have a good starting point for this new idea. Uh, but I, I would like to throw a shout out to Airman Butler from the Luke Air Force PA office because really what he did in that video was what helped move us into the final competition, making that compelling pitch, putting things together in just the right way uh, was critical to our success. And having the relationships from last year that, that we rolled into this competition this year, I think paid off because last year we made that our pitch video. It wasn't very good. And this year we, we got a, ahead of that and we made a really good video. And, and 
I think that that goes to show that the team is critical. So uh, let's talk real quickly um, as we get close to wrapping up about the innovation ecosystem in the Air Force. And obviously, um, both of you have been around it um, probably for a little bit now, but for many, uh, they may not be that familiar with it, but it, it's a community within the Air Force that seems to be just rapidly growing, um, you know, over the last few years. What kind of resources are available for airmen out there who are just maybe sitting on an idea? What would you recommend, LT, um, to somebody who thinks they might have the next potential spark tank or other great idea? It doesn't have to be a spark tank idea. It could be any innovation. Yeah, for us, both uh, last year and this year, what to me the most critical part of your innovation infrastructure is your your leadership and your support of you willing to go after these ideas. And in both cases, last year and this year, our leadership has been extremely supportive of, of our our initiatives. Uh, with that, last year, the Squadron Innovation Funds, the the we were allowed to use the full $20,000 of the Squadron Innovation Funds to go and execute our prototype. And because the commander allowed us to do so and we built something that worked, that was critical for our success, I think. So to, to me, starting uh, with your job and, and being an expert in your job and understanding where the problems exist is, is the good starting point. And Use your your leadership network to to rally off of and, and to get your support to move forward. Anything to add there, sir? Yeah, I think it's it's really uh, impossible to overstate how important it is to really understand what it is like what problem you're trying to solve, uh, and and have the humility to take a step back and ask like, Hey, is this really, is the solution that I am proposing really better than what we're doing right now? And does it really make sense? Uh, and, and you've got to be willing to take input on that. And, and it's a delicate balance because at a certain point you may have to not take no for an answer, but you gotta, you gotta have the humility to step back and go, does what they are saying make sense and might they not be right? Maybe, maybe what I am thinking is the new best thing is, is really going to add second and or third order effects that we, we aren't ready for. Uh, so, so there's a lot of thought and networking that you can do before you ever really formally hit the innovation process to make sure like, hey, have I really thought this out and is, is it, is it going to work? Um, and, and once you get kind of convinced of that and, and people are going, Oh, it would work, but oh, we'll never be able to do that because whatever the policy is or whatever the, it's too expensive, it's going to be too hard. Uh, that That is where then connecting into that innovation network can really help. Uh, and it, it can actually be a disservice to your idea if you run to the, to the innovation channel too soon without really fully thinking through the problem that you're trying to solve. Uh, It, it, it can slow you, it can slow you back down and kind of create more friction than than it than it uh, than the benefit that it added. Yeah, so so a lot to think about. So you know, having a mentor and having somebody that 
you can talk to and a lot of bases now have uh spark cells um at their installation uh, do you guys have one at luke so the uh the luke luke air force base has is just in the process now of standing up a spark cell uh and and that potential we, we really hope that that's going to be a repository of the knowledge that uh that so Lieutenant Therese uh, is, is going to leave us in a few months. He's going to PCS, the natural cycle of the way the Air Force goes. And we really hope that that spark cell can be kind of a repository of some of the relationships and the different things that he has learned about the spark tank uh, and, and about the innovation process uh, and really help as a kind of catalyze and grow the relationships that we've built with the universities uh, and with other folks in that can can add to the innovation process. Um, maybe it can also be a focal point that inspires airmen to think in different ways about their problems and kind of exposes them to some new technology. Uh, that's that's certainly uh, a hope. Uh, that being said, we have not had a chance to lean on a spark cell so far. It's literally just stood up since we were selected. We were already semi-finalists uh, and I think the Luke Air Force Base announcement that we were going to do this coincided with us being selected for the finals. So uh, I can't I can't speak to it already providing the value to us, but we're we're really hopeful that it will be able to do the things that that I just said in terms of uh, kind of clearing out and kind of pointing a path to to innovators that follow. Well, I. Yes. Go ahead, LT. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's well said. You know, to me, it boils down to to being an expert in, in your day-to-day -day job, knowing what your, your, your mission is and what you're tasked to go out and do. From there, understanding the problems. And then it becomes an education piece. I, I think the education and, and being exposed to different ways of doing business is important. And then last piece of that is the uh, the relationships. So if, if your spark cell can capture that magic and and bring all those pieces together, I, I think you can be really successful. Well, great conversation today, gentlemen, and you know, best of luck on next gen debrief next month at the uh, AFA symposium. Um, hopefully, two years in a row. I mean, uh, Lieutenant Treese might need a bigger mantle above the. The fireplace at his house, I guess, wherever he's PCS into. But again, thank you to both of you for joining us today. Thank yeah, you. thank you, Dan. It's been a pleasure. What an initiative and a great example of going fast to accelerate change through collaboration and innovation. And sounds like this next gen debrief is going to be very tough to beat for the competition at Spark Tank 2021 happening at the AFA Aerospace Warfare Symposium in February in Orlando, a virtual event. I read that over 300 submissions were entered for the competition and only 15 have moved on to the semifinals. So being a final list already a great accomplishment but hopefully the team from luke can win special thanks to major hawkins and lieutenant trees for spending some time with us today to tell us all about it and make sure that you tune in to that spark tank competition uh, and you can catch a lot of coverage both on the aetc social media platforms air force social media accounts uh, as well as the luke air force base social media accounts as well 
As a reminder, you can follow Air Education and Training Command and the AETC Command Team via social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as on the web at www.aetc.af.mil. Thanks for checking out the podcast as we dive into the world of recruiting, training, and education for our entire AETC public affairs team. I'm Dan Hawkins. So long. We'll talk to you next time on The Air Force Starts Here.